right around this time of year, every year I was telling the last service, I get around Easter time, I get really obsessive and curious all over again about who Jesus was when he was on earth. Do you know, we have to maintain a curiosity about who Jesus is, how he operates, how he spoke when he was on earth, how he walked, how he led. I get really nosy and I start digging into the scriptures to see if I missed anything. And the one thing that I'm realizing more and more as I study him is that he had a completely different default setting than the rest of us. I mean, Jesus was always, is always, his mind, his heart was always, as the Bible says, inclined towards the heart of God, the things of God. Everything he did, instead of glorifying himself, he would point everybody back to God the Father. And so I got really curious, why is it so hard to be like that? Why is it so hard to do like Jesus did? And I have come up with a profound inclusion, conclusion that just happened to hit me on Mother's Day. You know why we have such trouble doing like Jesus did and walking like Jesus walked? It's your mama's fault. It's your mama's fault. You know how they blame everything on the mothers, right? You watch any horror movie, it goes back to the mom. What's his name? Uh, the Bates guy, right? His mama messed him up. Any serial killer, if he's messed up, it's because of the mama. The dads never get any of the blame on that one. The mama didn't feed him. The mama fed him too much. The mama wasn't home. The mama kept him home and homeschooled him. Do you know what I'm saying? No matter what, it's the mama's fault. And I'm realizing that one of the reasons it's so hard to set our minds on the things of God is because our parents, if we were blessed enough to have moms and dads who were present, who were able, who were capable, there were three things that they wanted for us and they worked so hard to give us those three things. First thing any parent becomes obsessed with, is this your first baby? You, you, you're a pro now, but do you remember that first baby? All you think about it, things like we got to make sure he has stability. We want to give them sameness, routine, good parents and good family homes have a good routine in our house. Every night at seven, we have family time, right? We eat at a certain time. We try to, we take communion on certain days. There's routine stability. And we know that humans need stability. Number two, every parent wants to give their child security, safety, protection. We want to keep them far from danger. You remember that first baby? You bought all the stuff for them. They had the stroller, the car seat, the car seat back up, the double stroller. You know what I'm talking about. You bought all the corner things to put on the edges of the tables because you wanted to keep your child far from danger. My husband and I, we were just, I mean, we were, I mean, we were warrior parents. We were going to keep our kids from danger at all cost. We were so overprotective. My poor son didn't know how to come down the stairs by himself till he was about six or seven years old. Because when he would come down the stairs, we'd say, no, wait a minute, wait on mommy. And we go up there with them and walk down with them. And even when he got older, we said, no, 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 go slower. Remember that? And we'd make, Jaden, I don't know if you remember this, but instead of letting you walk down, we made you go one step at a time. Doot, doot. Doot, doot. Doot, 
Do you remember that? That's what we did to him until he was about six or seven years old. And then we went to his kindergarten carnival where all the other kids were there. And when I tell you the two-year-olds were long jumping off the steps, the babies were swinging from the chandeliers, the five-year-olds were moon sliding down the slide, and there was my son. We messed him up. We were trying to keep him far from danger. Now, today I believe God got us back because he's a daredevil skateboarder. So we prayed in tongues from morning till, till night. But as parents, you want to provide that safety. The third thing we always try to provide is sanity. We want our kids not to be crazy. We want them to think smart, to be wise. The Bible tells us to, in all of your getting, get wisdom, get understanding. We want that for our kids. And as adults, we even look to get those same things for ourselves. Even if we didn't have it growing up, we look for it and we'll find it wherever we can find it. You ever study the psychology of gang behavior? People in gangs weren't looking to just be bad. They were looking for family. They were looking for routine. And they found something they weren't finding at home. So we look to replicate those things for ourselves and for our children. We seek out good, steady, safe jobs, predictable relationships. We avoid risk and we're suspicious of change. Why is she trying to change stuff? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Sometimes you need to break it because it's been fixed for too long. We look for those three things and those patterns, it's great because they give us stability, survival, security, and those things help us survive in this life. But here's the funny thing. Those same patterns we've established of looking for stability, safety, sanity, they protect us in this life. But they also block us in the supernatural. Those same three things cause us to pray small because we're trying to be safe. They cause us to be sane in our request. That's, let's not be crazy, Father. You ever had, let me tell you, when somebody prays for you and you need to be healed, if they start with, if it's your will, Father, be like, I got it. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm going to go somewhere else. We already know it's his will for you to be healed and healthy. We just don't know what the healing is going to look like. He may heal you on this side with the blink of an eye. He may allow you to have great doctors, a great surgeon. He may even let you die and receive your ultimate healing in heaven. We just don't know what the outcome is, but we know his will. Never be in question with what God's will is for you. The word of God says that if your mother and your father here on earth would give you good things and they are evil, how much more will your father God bless you? So those same three things we search for sometimes block us and limit the way we pray and the way we believe. 
I think God is calling us to be a little crazier in our belief in this season. I was telling the first group, uh, you know who was really crazy? Moses was crazy. Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh was like, boy, please. You think I'm going to let you have my whole workforce and just walk on out of here? What you going to do when you get to the Red Sea? Your crazy self. Moses was crazy up until that Red Sea parted. Suddenly he was the smartest man in the room. You know who else was crazy? One of my favorites, Noah was buck crazy. Noah, where are you going to get your wood, Noah? How are you going to get those animals in the boat, Noah? It has never rained here before, Noah. He's crazy. Noah was crazy till that first raindrop. Wasn't crazy no more. Noah, hey man, let your girl in the boat. You know who was the most certifiably insane person to ever walk the face of this earth? Jesus. Imagine. I am the way, the truth, and the light. Come on. Gee, you talking about Jesus? You mean Jojo and Mary, them little boy live around the street? That Jesus? He not the way. He lived around the way, but he ain't the way. Jesus was crazy. And if you think you would be any better than the people in his hometown, than his disciples who sometimes lost their faith, then you're crazy. The Bible gives us those examples so that we can see ourselves in those people and not make the same mistakes they made. So our parents, our amazing mothers that we celebrate, they provide us those three things, but they can sometimes block us. Pastor Hurd gave us an incredible, started a new series last week about seeding the clouds. Uh, we both believe that there are phenomenons that happen in the natural, in the scientific, that will always have a spiritual correlation. So if scientists on earth who didn't make the clouds can put chemicals in the clouds to make it rain, don't you know that we who worship the creator of the clouds can pray and seed our big bold belief and expect to see it rain in our own lives. <laughs> Pastor taught us that we can start seeding into the clouds to see breakthrough. But I'm here today to warn you, before you start seeding, you better check your setting. We must make sure that before we start seeding into the clouds, our setting is not stuck on self-preservation, on survival, on sameness, on stability, on sanity. We will never do the biggest, boldest things of God. If we leave our settings stuck on self, you're like, Jade, are you, are you saying we need to be crazy? No, I'm telling you to be more like Jesus. You don't believe me? Take it from Jesus himself. Let's go to the word of God. Matthew chapter 16, starting at verse 21. Let me give you some background. This is when Jesus was 
pivoting in his ministry. Such a lesson for leaders here that we must be aware of the seasons we're in. Jesus was having a good old time. He had just broke bread for thousands of people. He was healing people, bringing people back to life, performing miracles. But he stopped to take a break and spend time with his leaders, his disciples, so that they would be prepared for what was to come. We learned so much about Jesus right there. He understood that there was a shifting in seasons. And he wasn't obsessed with the worldly trappings of his ministry. Jesus had big crowds by now. Jesus! He was famous by now. He'd reached a point where his name preceded him. That's a big deal. Jesus didn't fall into all the traps of being a famous evangelist. He didn't fall for the ladies. Y'all don't think there were ladies falling all over Jesus? Come on. Jesus fasted all the time, probably had rock hard abs. Was out in the sun, had a little tan on him, a little melanin, huh? Was turning water into wine. Those women were falling all over Jesus. It's not in the Bible, but I promise you it's there. They were like, Jesus, can you heal me? You better have discernment in this season. But Jesus was aware enough to move outside of the worldly trappings of his ministry to take time to prepare for the call of God that was on his life. Many of you are out there preparing for God to fulfill the call on your life and you have not prepared to fill the call. You've been saying, God, call me. I'm ready. He's like, no, you're not. Newsflash, you will not get a call until you are ready to answer the call. The word of God, 16 verse 21 in Matthew, says from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And on the third day be raised. That's good news, Jesus was telling his disciples. You see that? He laid it out. He even told them about the third day. He told them about the resurrection. But his disciples didn't hear the resurrection part. They only heard the death part. How many times has God been trying to give you the good news, but you've been getting tripped up on the sacrifice part? How many times has that happened? Jesus was committed to all the parts of the calling. To get to breakthrough, we will have to change our setting from self-preservation to sacrifice. Verse 22, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Peter was noble, wasn't he? No, he wasn't noble. (laughs) Peter talked too much. And if you keep reading, Peter almost always talks out of turn. But the good thing is God made him a zealous man. 
Don't get confused about how you are made. You are made how you were supposed to be made. If you're passionate and emotional, that's how you're supposed to be. But you're not supposed to be guided and run by your emotions. You're supposed to understand your emotions are signals. Peter had learned how to manage the personality God had given him. So he broke in. God, no, what are you talking about? He rebuked God. How many of you would ever dare rebuke Jesus? Just show of hands. Who feels like you got the right to reprimand God? Anybody feel that way? You lie. You all feel that way. You know how I know? Because when God comes to you and asks you to do the hard thing, to get out of your comfort zone, to go against your own preferences, to do what you don't want to do, you say, far be it from you, Lord. I ain't doing that. We reprimand and rebuke God and the calling on our lives all the times. Our mamas taught us better than that. It's funny. We know not to talk back to our parents. We talk back to God all the time. Oh, it got quiet. I'm pastor. Got quiet in here just now. Listen. Peter was just doing what was humanly natural to do. Peter was concerned about God, but the truth was he didn't want Jesus to mess up his plans. Peter was elevating within the ranks. He was becoming a leader. This was like, we got a good thing going, Jesus. Why are you talking crazy? Sanity. Sanity. Jesus turned to Peter. I love it. Every translation tells you that he turned. In lay terms, that means he rolled up on Peter. You understand what I'm saying? Peter took him to the side. He was probably standing like this. And then when Peter talked to him, Jesus was like, what you say? Turned up on him, posted up on him, got in his face. What did he say? He said, get behind me, Satan. That was harsh. Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. My favorite translations, instead of saying hindrance, they say stumbling block. When you study the word of God, I dare you to get curious about every word. Research it all. Look at all the roots. When you look up stumbling block, it is not some random stone that you accidentally trip over. A stumbling block is actually something that is intentionally set in front of your feet in order for you to do what? To fall. Somebody had to put it there or the enemy uses things, circumstances, and people to trip you up. That's what a stumbling block is. Stumbling blocks are there to make you fall out of line, to make you fall out of alignment, to make you fall out of favor, to make you fall out of opportunity, to make you fall out of destiny. Right there in that verse, Peter, listen to this, was operating as a destiny deterrent. A destiny deterrent to the very God who had just told him a few verses earlier that he, Peter, would be the rock that the church was built on. 
let me clear this up for you. In that very moment, Peter was serving not just as a stumbling block for Jesus, but as a stumbling block for his future self and his future ministry. Listen up, Peter. Listen up, Jade. When God is working in someone's life and you can't understand it, you can't figure it out, it looks crazy, it looks uncomfortable, you don't know how it's going to happen, how they're going to pull it off, you don't understand what God is doing, keep your mouth shut. Because you could be operating not only as a stumbling block for that person, but a stumbling block for your future self. He just couldn't understand how God was moving. That last part that Jesus said is so important. He said, Peter, you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. I want you to understand too. He wasn't talking to Peter. He didn't say, get behind me, Peter. He turned, looked the issue in the face and said, get behind me, Satan. I don't know who has been having trouble with your kids. They're in a season of rebellion, a season of relentless misbehavior, and you've been talking to the child. I dare you in this season to turn, look at your child, but be like Jesus and talk through the child, talk through the misbehavior, talk all the way to the enemy that has plans to kill and destroy your child and tell him, get behind me. Satan. He says, because we're not setting our hearts, setting our minds on the things of God, but on the things of men. Some of the translations say, for we're not savoring the things of God. Our interests are not the same as God's. Or we do not reason like God, but like humans. That's why the Bible, you know, when the Bible says, come let us reason, that didn't mean go to your nearest political rally. Oh, so quiet. Don't get quiet on me. When he said, come, let us reason. That didn't mean go to the nearest coffee shop and gossip a little bit. I was just at Panera. You know, God has reset a lot of things in my own life. Pastor 2019 was this incredible breakthrough year of revenue in my company. And uh, someone had prophesied a lewd years ago. He said, oh, Jade, you're coming into a season where you're going to have to give up the golden child. And I was like, what's the golden child? He was prophesying before I had the golden child. The golden child was the whole revenue year of 2019. The end of 2019 came and God said, told me to start laying certain things down. See, it's real easy to pray on that front end. God, I'll do whatever you ask, Father. I'm seeking you first. Give me the things that you want for me. I'll walk in your ways. Then he starts answering your prayer and giving it to you. And if you're not careful, you get possessive of the things he's given you. Oh, I like this. This is nice. Who answered prayer? God is good all the time. Then then that tax bill comes. Come on. You can't have your breakthrough revenue, revenue year and not have that breakthrough tax return either. And God was slowly causing me to put things down or starting to take things back out of my hand. We didn't know COVID-19 was coming. My whole business is built around speaking to large crowds of people. We went from having a record revenue year to making a fraction of what we made in 2019, all of 2020. 
But God had started having me lay it down first to make sure my mind and my heart were set on him. So when that stuff left, it didn't mean nothing to me because I know if you are really Jehovah Jireh, I can obey your word in the season. I can lay things down and you're going to give it back to me a hundredfold. I don't have to worry about the tax bill because Jesus said, render under Caesar. What is Caesar's? So here you go, IRS, take it. Matter of fact, I'll give you a little tip on it. I'm not going to give him a tip, not really. But you give it to them because you understand that God has already begun the process of giving it back to you. Give and it will be given back to you. We cried no tears over what we didn't make in 2020 because we knew, well, God, what you're doing in 21 and 22 and 23 must be out of this world. God is on the verge of a great reset. And I believe he is raising up new leaders. He's looking for worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And I want us to change our prayers. We're asking for God, fix this God. Reset our nation, God. Bring restoration. Bring revival. The reason I think it's not coming as quickly as we want is because while we're asking him for the great reset, I believe he's asking us to change our own settings first. We have to be in the position spiritually, mentally, emotionally, professionally, financially to receive what he has for us or else we will fumble before we get to the finish line. How do we get ready for this great reset? I was joking earlier that I think Jesus is the originator of um, that three-part formula. You ever watch those late-night infomercials? They tell you, we have a three-step system. I think Jesus was the creator of the three-step formula. You say, where am I getting that from? In the Bible. Matthew 16, verse 25. Jesus gives us his three-step formula. He told his disciples in verse 24, he says, if anyone would come after me. Step one. Let him deny himself. It's much easier said than done. You go, I'm not selfish. Okay, you're not selfish, but are you self-focused? Let go of self-interest. Let go of self. Let go of your name. Let go of your name. My name is not Jade Simmons. First, it is child of God. Let go of your reputation. You're worried about what they're saying about you at the office. You need to get worried about what they're writing on the bathroom walls in heaven. What, does it, what are they scribbling about you up there? Obedient, faithful. We want position here. We should be worried about position in the kingdom. I don't mean ministry role and title position of your heart is it inclined towards him or is it stuck on the things of this world I dare you to trade this is you're talking to a big dreamer with lots of goals um, very achievement oriented success oriented I have a long list of all the things that I have to accomplish before I leave this earth I've had to make a deal with God I said look you gotta let me live like as long as Methuselah you know what I'm saying I gotta I got a lot of stuff I got to get done. But I'll tell you, all the dreams and goals that I have have paled in comparison 
to the things that God has had me do instead of the things on my to-do list. Listen to me when I tell you, if he is a God whose ways and thoughts are higher than ours, if he's known you since before you were in the womb, his plans for you are better than your plans for you. Your plans for you are similar, I promise. They are similar because he's given you those inclinations, those desires. But when you give them back to him, sacrifice your dreams and your goals on the altar, he gives you back a purified version of that that's greater than anything you can ever imagine. Step two, number one was deny yourself. Step two, you take up your cross. I'm going to come back to that. Step three, follow me. Walk like he walked on the earth. Talk like he talked. Believe what he believes. I told the first service about uh, a vision I had, a dream I had. Basically a bunch of evangelists on a stage in a massive stadium. And they were receiving all this praise and standing ovation from hundreds of thousands of people. And they were screaming the names of these pastors. Now I didn't know who these pastors were. I just understood they were very famous evangelists. Jesus himself came on that stage and one by one went to each one of those pastors, tapped them gently on the shoulder. And it's like he was saying, hey, remember me? All that praise, that's, that's for me. That's what Jesus was saying. And instead of heeding him, they were turning away from him like he was bothering them. And this went on for about 10, 11 different evangelists. He would go to each one and they were shirking him off. And finally, very quietly, Jesus just exited stage left. He didn't make any big announcement that he was leaving. He didn't say last call. He just left. I refuse to allow Jesus to leave the stage that is my life in this season. You better do the same. I declare right now over every single one of you that even as you sit here, your settings are being recalibrated. Your dreams and your goals are being turned over. They're being stirred up in you. Those of you who thought that you were too old to fulfill the things that God has given you, he is going to redeem the time. You will have it back. The talents that you have been sitting on that you haven't yet used, he will stir them up in you. He is the keeper of time. He's not limited by this earthly calendar. Those of you who have been worrying that you missed something, that you stepped out, that the things of your past are blocking you from your moment today. Let me tell you, he is pleased with you. He has pride of ownership in you and you will not leave this earth without fulfilling the call on your life. I thank you, Father, for every single one of us, the dreams you have placed on our heart. How about this one? We ask you, we give you permission, Father, to close some doors. We give you permission to close all of the wrong doors. We thank you, Father, that you will open all of the right ones, Father. And that we will have discernment to know which one is which and which one to walk through. Mothers and fathers alike, raise your kids unapologetically in the word of God. Make sure they know the difference between what is right and what is wrong. Do not let them be educated by television or their favorite celebrity. Devil, we rebuke right now what you have been trying to do in the lives of these children. We bring them back to you. I thank you right now that prodigal sons and daughters are coming home. 
home this day right here that on Mother's Day some of you will get calls you have not heard from your kids in years and you will hear from them today because God will stir up something in their life like never before I promise you that the prayers that you have prayed have not gone unanswered do not mistake a quiet season for the absence of God do not mistake it he will never leave you standing ashamed in his absence even if you can't feel him he is there there is not a tear that you have cried that has not fallen in the palm of his hand we break the spirit of condemnation over the lives of many of these mothers in this room I don't care what mistakes you made I don't care when you were absent God is a redeemer of time He's a redeemer of spirit. I thank you right now that you are refreshing. Spirit of refreshing. We usher in a spirit of refreshing in this season. We rebuke the spirit of condemnation. I can't tell you how many lives guilt and shame and condemnation have stolen. Your father is not a God of guilt. He is not a guilt of shame, a God of shame. He is not a God of condemnation. Yes, he will convict you. He will let you know when things are not right. But it is his desire for you to be restored to him and for you not to lose any children to the snares of the enemy. For those of you whose kids have gone on before you and you are worried about the souls of those children, let me tell you, you let it go in this season. Trust that your prayers have transcended the ceiling and your God has heard them and he has caught them. I thank you that no enemy, no weapon formed against you and your children will prosper in this season. If God be for you, who can be against you? If you're serious in this season about taking up a cross, the amplified version says that to take up a cross means uh, that we are willing to endure willing to endure the hard things in his name how many of you are willing to endure okay you're willing Christians are willing but how many of you are ready willing and ready are two different things your license says that you're ready to give up an organ if you die it says you're willing but it won't cost you nothing because you're already dead but if I told you right now, set up in the lobby, is a medical team ready to take you to the hospital today? And they will take your kidney out and just put it on hold for whoever needs it. I don't see none of y'all running to the back of the room. You ain't ready. And this season, God is looking for us to be both willing and ready. To jump when he says jump. To ask him, how far do you want me to go, Father? Take up your cross is not just being willing to endure. It is what it says it is. It says, take up your cross. That means go find you a cross and take it up. God, what is the hard thing you want me to do in this season? I don't care if I lose my name and my reputation and my money. I will do it because you have called me to do it. That's taking up a cross. Some of you say, well, I have, I've had a sickness for years. Yeah, that's a thorn in your side, right? You caught that. It was given to you. It came upon you. You didn't go take it up. 
going to take it up means you actively looking for ways that you can serve the father higher and harder than ever before. You say that cost us a lot, Jade, that cost us a lot, father. It does because verse 25, Matthew 16, Jesus ends here, goes on, read that entire chapter. It's mind blowing. But in verse 25, he says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I thank you, Father God, for a season of people who are ready to lose their lives for you. Father, they are ready to put it all on the line. We ask you to come, Father, and test our hearts so that we can worship in spirit and in truth. I thank you right now, Father, that all the plans and the strategies of the enemy against anyone in this room have been broken right now. We rebuke the destroyer. He has no place here. We draw a line of demarcation around every single one of you. You are off limits to the enemy. Do you understand? You better speak that in your own life. You are off limits. And when things start to flare around you, moms, don't go by what you see because that's not faith. You go by what you don't see. You got a C student? No, you don't. Father God, I thank you for my A student in the name of Jesus. You got a rebellious kid? No, you don't. I thank you, Father God, that I have a child who has manners like nobody's business. You speak what you want to see. That is the gift, I believe, of parenthood, of motherhood. We have the authority to speak a thing. Pastor Hurd has the authority to speak a thing over us as his spiritual children. You have the same authority in your own lives, over your own body, over your own children. We speak of a powerful reset, Father. We thank you right now for the reset that you are doing. Holy Spirit, come. You are welcome in this place. And we thank you for the work that you are doing in our hearts. Father, help us to set our mind and our hearts on the things of you and not on the things of this world. In your holy name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, church.